with this enthusiasm, this heartfelt enthusiasm that you just happened to stumble upon, what's your need? Do you have a need this morning? Because once you identify what your need is and you have the persistence to press into God's presence, he's going to heal you. Because you can't do it with complacency. You can't do it with apathy. You can't just say, oh, maybe God wants to heal me, maybe not. That's not going to work. We're going to hear about the persistent widow that uh, says, look, I want justice and I want it now. And I'm not, I'm not going I'm to leave you alone until you give it to me. So if you want to be healed... That's the attitude that you need to have when you come forward for healing. Jake, can you just tell us a couple of stories? Two stories. Well, okay, one story. I can think of a few. <laughs> um, this summer has been insane for us like a really, really insane summer. We've been in the nations. I think I was in three or four nations this summer. And you guys, like, we are <laughs> so boring. <laughs> we really are. Like, we're so safe and so boring. And it's like, we're stoked with ourselves if we end up in church on Sunday when we felt like we didn't want to go. And we're like, I have made the sacrifice. I showed up. And in other nations, like, I think they would just laugh at us. And in a lot of ways, they do. I was on uh, the streets of India leading worship. <laughs> For those of you that don't know anything about India, there, um, we were in Varanasi, which is the birthplace of Buddhism and Hinduism. And I can't tell you all the stories because we actually went there to film for a documentary um, that you'll get to see next year. And so, but I can say this, like, leading worship in here is easy. Like, this is, you can not like the songs. You can not like the sound. You can not like the style. But at the end of the day, you're probably not going to kill me for it. You know, nobody's going to throw a rock at my head in the middle of the song. And God took us to the River Ganges, like, and I led worship right on the River Ganges, like in Varanasi. Hindus, Muslim, men, craziness. And like I said, I can't share everything, but I can tell you this. Like, some Muslim men decided they would come up and we don't believe in your God, so you could pray for us because we don't believe in your God. And then they almost fell out in the spirit when somebody laid hands on them. And all they could declare, and all they could declare was this, but I don't believe in your God. What just happened to me? I don't believe in your God. What just happened to me? That's okay, because he still created you. Whether or not you believe in him or not is actually irrelevant. And one of the things that the Lord kept speaking to me all summer was, he said, do you not really under, you really don't believe that I'm already the desire of the nations. We're still figuring out how to get better plans for evangelism and figure out how to get enough courage to share the gospel with our neighbors. When he says, you don't understand that I'm already the desire of their hearts. That's like actually who I am is the desire of the nations. Like everybody on planet earth already desires me. They just haven't met me. Your job isn't to come up with a better sermon illustration for them to understand the gospel. They just need to meet Jesus because they already want him. 
We were in South Africa in a church where they had seen literally recorded, video recorded, 20,000 recorded healings. 20,000 recorded, no, not just healings, 20,000 recorded lame walking. And if you go to my, my Facebook or anything like that, you'll see I took pictures. There's just crutches and walkers hanging all over the room. They just take the crutches and hang them up. And the walkers and hang them up. They have a section for AIDS victims. They have a section just for AIDS victims because they've seen so many AIDS victims healed. So they have a section for them because so that way they can come there, the last dying breath. One of the stories was that a guy that they have on film, a guy came and he had that flesh-eating disease and he was wrapped in a blanket. So they laid him at the altar. They tried to pull the blanket off and his skin was coming off. So they just kept him wrapped up. And, they, and this, this prophetic guy, I literally call them prophets. I don't even care if that offends people because I'm like, I've never seen accuracy like this. So for me, I'm like, I don't, whatever. It's a, it's a title that's very nice. You know what I mean? Like, congratulations. You let people call you pastor. So I think calling somebody a prophet who walks in that kind of anointing is okay. You know, like I'm not stressed out about it. And so I'm like, hey, look, like this guy goes, this guy looks at him and goes, Tomorrow morning, tomorrow, or what did he say? He said, tomorrow you will get up and walk back into this church. So he tells the dude. I mean, his, his skin is falling off. And at the end of service, nothing had happened. So they're like, let's just take him to the hospital because he's going to die. So they took him to the hospital, set him in a cot. And at the hospital, they took him and put him in a corner because there's nothing they could do for him. He's just going to die. So they said, we'll deal with him in the morning. You know, like, we'll just have to deal with him in the morning and deal with his body. And they come back the next morning to get his body or to like see how he's doing. And he's not there. And they're like, where did this guy, where did he, who did what with this guy? So they open the next room and the guy is buttoning his top buttons. And his first words out of his mouth were, take me to church. He walks into the church building. People freak out because it was over the course of a conference. Freak out, lose their minds. And tons of people get saved and healed. Like, this is like, we're not talking about just, like, your headache going away. <laughs> like, God really does want your headache to go away, but he also wants to replace the vertebrae that you're missing in your back right now. Is anybody missing a vertebrae in their back right now? Like, they're actually, like, needing surgery on their back? Like, something with the vertebrae or with the spine in your back? Is that anybody in the room? If that's you, raise your hand. Like anybody like that needs that in their back. Like they're telling you like either they've been fused together or something's going on with your spine, your vertebrae. Nobody in the room? All right. What? Is that you? Okay. That didn't, that took you too long. <laughs> he wants to heal you. Like he wants to replace it. And like we've given up on, we, you, do you understand that you believe you're going to a place called heaven that you've never seen and do not understand, but you cannot believe for a miracle to happen right in front of your eyes? You tell everybody you're going to heaven when you die, but you've never seen it. Well, how can I pray for healing? I don't know if it's going to happen. Well, you don't know where you're going after you die either, but you put a lot of faith in that. And we just say right now that's, that the injury in your spine is not your fault. We break that lie over you. It's not your fault. You don't have to just live with it. You don't have to just live with the pain. You've kind of made agreement with it and said, well, I'll just have to live with this. It's okay. It's not a big deal. I love the Lord. It's all good. Everything's fine. But I don't, I, it's fine. It's okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. And the Lord says, no, you're not okay. And you need to begin to get in touch with the fact that you have a lot of hurt in your own heart and in your own body that you have left unresolved because you just decided that you were going to be okay. Just like your family passed down to you. Just be okay. Just be okay. And the Lord says, no, just be real. 
strip away all the walls and all the junk and just say, my back actually hurts and I need it to be fixed. I need God to come break in. And so I just declare healing right now in Jesus' name. Is it, are you in pain right now? Does it hurt actually right now when you move? How bad? Like on, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being I'm going to fall over and cry because it hurts so bad. Like, where are you at? What? I think that's what we just prayed for. A five is not acceptable. Any pain is not acceptable in the presence. There's no, we don't accept any of it. Now this is coming from a guy who's, whose daughter was throwing up all night last night. I have slink, I slept an hour and she doesn't walk. She has cerebral palsy. And I've seen tons of people get out of walkers, seen tons of people get out of wheelchairs, seen tons of people healed. But I have to go home to a daughter that doesn't walk yet. And so I can either go, oh, it's okay. You know, it's fine. It's just my lot. Or I can say, hell no. No, 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 no. I do not accept this. I'm not going to make agreement with it. We're not going to give it any authority. Any pain in your body is not okay with the Lord. That's not garden perfection. That's where we're going. You know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want the same thing. You're a good dude. You have an amazing heart. You're such a servant. You would serve your fingers to the bone and just serve everyone around you and lift loads the rest of your life. But we declare right now that that five or six would go to a four, to a three, to a two, to a one, to a zero. Right now in Jesus' name, you'd be completely, completely healed. No surgery, no surgery, no medication. That you'd be completely restored right now in Jesus' name. Move around and see how much pain, if it's, is it still there? Can you feel it? Move it around. Move it around. Do something you could not do before. Mister, I don't like the attention. I'm not trying to embarrass you. We're trying to get you healed, which is way more important. Like bend over and touch your toes. Okay. Does that hurt when you do that? But how bad? Like how bad? Not too bad. God, we pray that that pain would go away now in Jesus' name. Whatever's left, whatever residue, whatever is there, whatever keeps trying to carry on, we just command it to leave now. Who else has a back pain right now? Who has pain in their back, in their, in their back, like right in here? What? Yeah, I've had back pain. Well, you have the gift of healing on your life, number one. You have healing on your life, and you know it, and you, you feel pain in your body when it's not yours a lot. You actually, you feel like you get sick a lot, but it's actually not true. Like you, act, yeah, like it's not, it's actually not you. It's actually in the spirit, but nobody's taught you how to walk in that discernment. You have the gift of healing on your life. You lay hands on the sick, they'll be healed because it's a gift on your life, you know? Like, now I'm just operating in faith. Like, I don't really, ha I don't. I've, prayed for, I've been chased through airports by old men because I laid hands on his wife's knee. It's, yeah, I've been cussed out. It's been awesome. It's wonderful. The gift of healing is so great. And so, like, and so my point is, is that that pain actually doesn't belong to you. You woke up with it because God knew that we were going to pray for backs today. That's my point. So we commanded to leave now in Jesus' name. Get out. You cannot stay. We say it was a gift of discernment. We just know that it was just God speaking to you. And if you, 
And that, that gift of discernment, that gift of healing, we ask that it be manifest all over your life and that God would begin to push you into it where you have to do something about it. You've been sitting on the sidelines for way, way, way too long. You've been sitting on the side saying, I don't really want to get involved. I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to get involved. I don't know how deep I should jump into this thing. I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure if I'm the right person or it's the right time. And God says, I want you to jump into the deep end today. Like I'm actually calling you out to the deep end today where you don't know if you can swim and you don't even know if you're going to make it. But I want you to jump in and see what I actually have for you. Because you've been having dreams and visions about it. You've been feeling it and sensing it and asking for it. And God says, today's the day to jump in deep. Today's the day to jump in deep. How's your back feel? Move around. Move it around. Is it gone? The pain gone? Like just release? Yeah. Now you remember that though when you're you're like walking through places and you're like, ow, my elbow hurts. Look for somebody who has something wrong with their elbow and just say, did your elbow hurt? You'll freak them out. We'll be awesome. And then you just go, well, I felt it too. God told me get out and they'll get healed and probably fall in love with Jesus because they didn't know Jesus cared. You know, who else had a back thing? Back, back, back right here. Boom, boom, boom. Okay. All of you just put your hands up. Whoever has a back pain, just put your hands way in the air right now. Back pain, just raise your hands way up. We just declare healing right now in Jesus name. Any muscle, any, uh, any bone structure that's an issue, we command it to get out. And right now, we actually declare, there's a couple of you, right now it's been a generational curse, actually, a generational weight that you've been carrying. And we just command it to leave right now. Get out now in Jesus' name. Right now, we just, right now specifically, there's some people that have been carrying heavy weights from their families and your back's been hurting since you were actually really young and your back should not have been hurting. Who is it that their back has been hurting since a young age? Just wave your hand. You Everybody keep their hands up. Just wave your hand if it's been since a young age and you didn't know, like, this is too, I shouldn't have back pain at this age. Who was it? Raise, just wave your hand. Just wave it. So it's you and you. We just, we break the generational weight that you're carrying of your family. We just break a false sense of responsibility that's on your family line that you have to carry everything in your family. We completely remove it from you right now. It's not yours. You do not have to carry it. Get off of your life. We just command in the spirit, in the name of Jesus, get off of their life. Get off. It's been your shoulders too, right here. Your shoulders too. Is that you right there? Yeah. Your shoulders too. Yeah, it's your shoulders and your back, right? Yeah, get out. You're carrying a weight that does not belong to you. It's from your father and your father's father. It's just come right down your line and you're bearing too much weight, too much anger and frustration. We break it right off of your life right now. Is that true? I don't want to make that stuff up. Is that true? Yeah? Yes? Same here. Get off of his life right now. It's not yours to carry. And right here, these three, be healed in Jesus' name. Move your back around. See how it feels. Just even in the presence right now. Move it around. How's your back feel? Is it your shoulder? Shoulder and back. That's family. Get off. Get off. That's just no more. We command it to leave in Jesus' name. That weight, that weight, that oppression, we command it to leave. Stress, worry, doubt, fear, get out in Jesus' name. Go back to hell where you came from. You cannot stay. You cannot stay. 
especially fear. We get fear off of your life right now. You don't have to be afraid anymore. You will not be afraid anymore because perfect love casts out all fear. Get out in Jesus' name. Get out in Jesus' name. All pain, all pain leave now in Jesus' name. Move it around. How does it feel? How's yours feel? Better? Yeah. How's yours feel right there? She's just swaying away. I'm talking to you. You go for it, girl. Get it. That's, I'm good with that. How do you feel? How's your back? It better? That's good. What about in the very back back there? How's your back? Really a lot better? Or same? <laughs> what is it better? Way better? <laughs> More for him more for him Lord the Lord just says I I want to take you way deeper than you've gone as well like I feel like the same thing it's the same word like he's actually I feel like the Lord says I'm actually going to tie a weight around your ankles like a holy weight and I'm going to drag you to the depths of my heart <laughs> like I just saw him saying I'm taking you deep and it's going to feel like I, I feel like the last little bit has felt like you've lost control and the Lord says that was the plan from the beginning I want you to lose control. You've been trying to control everything around you, control your circumstances, control your fate, control your destiny. And the Lord says, not anymore. You're mine. You're mine. You think that God's done with you. You think, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just an adult now. I've got, I'm supposed to have it figured out. I'm supposed to have all this figured out. And the Lord says, no, I just want you to come to the depths and die with me because I love you so much. And I want to resurrect you into my love in a brand new way. I think it actually has to do with baptism. Have you been baptized before? You, how long ago were you baptized? When you were young? No, 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 no. Way in the back, way in the back, way in the back. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. How long? 12 years? Is that what you said? 10 years. I, I almost felt like the Lord says, oh, yeah. I just, I don't know if it's another baptism or what it is, but it's a brand new season for you. You've, you're ending a season and I feel like this baptism is happening because what was, what happened before and what God was doing before is not going to work anymore for you. It, you've changed seasons. So stop trying to do the same things you were doing last season in this new season. It's frustrating the heck out of you. So we just say we're letting the old season go. Let him drown you and resurrect you in Jesus' name. And we ask right now for a baptism of fire. Where there's already been a baptism of water, we ask Holy Spirit that you would baptize him in fire. That Jesus would come to baptize in fire where John came to baptize in water which we still do in the recognition of what Jesus said to do and the recognition of an old life gone and a new life coming but if that life is still unfulfilled then it is absolutely irrelevant in the body of Christ so we ask that the Holy Spirit would come on you in a significant way right now in Jesus name and empower you for the next season that power would come on you you have a teacher's anointing. You're going to teach people how to walk in the spirit. You're going to teach people how to walk in the spirit. The Lord says you've taught them how to read the word. You've taught them how to get into the word. You've taught them how to get into sort of the theology of it. And God says, no more. I want to teach. I want you to be a teacher of the presence of God. He's going to, he is going to frustrate the heck out of you, actually. Because you're, it's, it's like you're the line upon line, precept upon precept, and he wants you to go glory to glory, presence to presence, encounter to encounter in this next season. It's a Bible study. It's a time of worship. It's a time of prayer where people are going to come just to get baptized in the presence of God.
was your name? You're wiping your eye. What was your name? Yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. What? Kathy. Kathy. That's my mom's name, which is so crazy because the Lord says, um, he, I felt like the Lord, it's, it's totally the Lord because I felt like the Lord said, um, I, I want to deal with mother wounds. Like I'm going to deal with your heart. Like what, like you and your mom, I don't even know if your mom's still around or the Lord wants, there's something that the Lord wants to bring healing to, to, to I, don't, I don't know how to say it. I just know that the Lord wants to bring healing to that relationship. I don't know if it's way in the past and it's already like, hey, we've already worked through it. It's good. But there's still some things on your heart that are like, I don't want this. And you don't know where it came from. And it came from that line. Like it came through that line to you and you're like still bearing the weight of it. And the Lord says, I absolutely remove that from you right now in Jesus' name. You're actually way more tender than you give off. And I think you're just this, you are super gentle, super tender, super compassionate, but you've had to carry a load, carry a weight, fight your way through it. And the Lord says, I'm breaking that off of you. And I'm bringing you into a season where you just get to lay at my feet and be in my presence, which is what you've always wanted. You actually, you come to church because if you just feel a touch for five seconds, it's enough for you. If you can just feel his presence for a few minutes, you'll be okay. And the Lord says, I'm taking you into a brand new place where you don't ever leave that place. You may not stop crying for weeks at a time because you feel so tender and so touched by his presence. It's how you are wired. It's a, it's a merry heart. I don't even think you know the ways that you've been wronged in your life because you've protected everyone around you. And you've defended so many people. And the Lord says, I don't want you to defend anymore. I just want you to be honest. You have a beautiful heart, Kathy. And you're a great mom. But you're still wrestling on the inside, trying to pretend like it's going to be all right. And the Lord says, I'm actually going to go and pull off another layer of the onion and take you somewhere you've never been before. Does that make sense? You're awesome. You just need to be told that a little bit more. You're awesome. You're doing a good job. Your daddy is proud of you. So proud of you. And you're safe. So Lord, we just thank you for your presence. Sorry, I went way, way, way over. But Holy Spirit, we just so deeply want to encounter you. We don't know what the heck we are doing and everybody keeps pretending like we've got it all together. And I pray Jesus for a bunch of believers who go, we don't, un we don't know what we're doing, but we really, really, really want God. We don't have all the answers. I believe it. I believe God's going to shift Claremont because a group of people actually dive into the mystery of God and find something that nobody's ever found before, that no mind can comprehend that nobody can understand but it's been revealed to you by the spirit of God it'll be revealed to us by the Holy Spirit no mind conceived what no eye has seen no ear has heard no mind can conceive which is what Claremont is trying to do they're trying to see and they're trying to hear and they're trying to use their minds to perceive but what no eye can see what no ear has heard what no mind can conceive it will be revealed to us by the Holy Spirit we need you, Holy Spirit. We desperately need you, Holy Spirit. Come. We need you. We need you, Holy Spirit, to come wake us up from the inside. In Jesus' name, all those who agree, say, amen.
Aren't you glad you came to church? Uh, Crystal, could you roll our video, please? That was quick. <laughs> uh, hey, good to see you guys. I uh, just have a couple of plugs I have here. Not, not announcements, which is the junior high uh, camp, which uh, 
I learned a, 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 a song, announcements, 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 or tear what did I, tear what did I, terrible, terrible, okay. Anyway, we used to put an alarm clock in the camp uh, guy's uh, podium, and it would go off in the middle of announcements, which made it real quick. Uh, but a couple things going on here real quick. We have a baptism going on November 6th, which is a Wednesday night. Uh, uh, is it Josh? I'm sorry. What's your, I'm sorry. What, what's your name, sir? Jake. Jake. Okay, Jake. Josh, Jake. Uh, I'm sorry. Hey, I really had fun doing that. That was that was very cool. Uh, you can go till about twelve o'clock at the first service. You know, so <laughs> other people waiting till about one thirty at the second service. But anyway, uh, so uh, as Jake said, uh, baptism is an incredibly, incredibly important thing, kind of sealing what Jesus has done in your life. Um, if you haven't been baptized, absolutely, positively, indubitably, as they say in Indiana, uh, get baptized. If you know somebody who hasn't been baptized, drag them in here, heal marks and all, and uh, get them in here to get baptized. If you led somebody to Jesus, they aren't even going to this church, have not been baptized, bring them here, uh, bribe them to get a Chipotle afterwards, whatever it takes, and uh, get them here. Uh, November 6th, Wednesday night, uh, daylight savings time next week. Get here ahead and we'll just have a donut or something. It'll be a fun time. Uh, fall fun happening on uh, Wednesday night, uh, the 31st. Uh, it'll be happening at 5 o'clock. Thir- what did I say? A Wednesday, okay. Well, well, come Wednesday. We'll be here a day early. We'll just have a big fun time. Thursday night at 5 p.m., uh, it'll be happening. Uh, marriage course happening on Wednesday. Again, just stay over. Uh, just get a, a tent like it's your box something at, at, uh, at uh, Apple, you know. Uh, come Wednesday night. That'll be at 7 p.m. Uh, again, Wednesday, then Thursday for the big fun, uh, you know, 31st thing. And then lastly, we are starting a series, which I'm going to do. Yay. It'll be happening for the next three weeks. We're going to call it, uh, uh, oh, oh, my gosh, I lost the, okay. Kindness of God brings uh, the provision the kindness of God that brings provision. We're going to be looking at uh, three weeks uh, at a, uh, just the, the idea that uh, uh, Romans 2, 4, the kindness of God brings a radical life change. What I've discovered is this simple idea that when we fear not having enough, we begin to hoard things. If you fear not having enough time, guess what happens? You begin to hoard your time. Uh, somebody asks you, could you spare an hour? You say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm super busy. And so you hoard your time. If you fear not having enough love, you begin to hoard your love. You become very weird at that one. If you've been uh, kind of wronged in the love arena, you begin to hoard your love. And one of the really big ones, if you fear not having enough money, you begin to hoard your money. Then you become very odd and strange. So we're going to look at how to kind of break free from those things and, and live really in the power of God's kindness, which is the one that annihilates all those things. So, you know, come. Have you ever heard somebody say, I came and brought my friend, and they were talking about money and and time and all that stuff, you know, it couldn't have been worse. You know, this is one you can bring your friends to, and it will, it'll be actually fun, and you'll say, I'm glad I brought my friend. So, hey, let's pray. Uh, Lord, we thank you for this, uh, this day, and we, we bless you for the message you're going to bring, and we pray that Josh be able to talk like an auctioneer in the time he has. Amen. Amen. I, can, I can do that, I think. All right, if you want to get your Bibles and turn to Luke 18. And hopefully we can put a bow on your experience. I don't know if that's even the right terminology. You don't want to, I don't want you to put a bow on this. All right. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Now he was telling them, this is Jesus, he was telling them, I'm going to change versions because this is a, 
I don't, I, that's a great version for studying, but this is going to sound better in the message. If I can find it. Sorry, guys. Give you some time to get there. There we go. All right, he said to his disciples, telling them a story, showing that it was necessary for them to pray consistently and never quit. He said, there was once a judge in some city who never gave God a thought and cared nothing for people. A widow in that city kept after him. My rights have been violated. Protect me. He never gave her the time of day. But after this went on and on and on, he said to himself, I care nothing of what God thinks and even less of what people think, but this widow won't quit badgering me. I'd better do something and see what she wants and give her some justice. Otherwise, I'm going to end up beaten black and blue by her pounding. Then the master said, do you hear what the judge, corrupt as he is, is saying? So what makes you think that God won't step in and work justice for his chosen people who continue to cry out for help? Won't he stick up for them? I assure you he will. He will not drag his feet. But how much of that kind of persistent faith will the Son of Man find on earth when he returns? That's a good question, right? Jesus returns. Is he going to find that persistent faith with his children? Is he going to find persistent faith in Granite Creek? Interesting view on faith, right? Okay, the next story. Verse 9. He told his next story to some who were uh, complacently pleased with themselves over their moral performance. And he lo and looked down their noses at the common people. He says, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax man. The Pharisee posed and prayed like this, Oh God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people, robbers, crooks, adulterers. Heaven forbid that I'm like this tax man. I fast twice a week, good for you, and tithe on all my income. Meanwhile, the tax man slumped in the shadows, his face in his hand, not daring to look up. And he says, God, give me mercy. Forgive me, a sinner. Now, I know I'm reading this in the message. It's for some of you Bible folks, you might want to call it a paraphrase. That's fine. But actually, he's saying something extremely profound. It doesn't actually translate into our language. He actually, in the Greek, it says, uh, forgive me, have mercy on me. And it's not a sinner. He's not like, I'm one of the many sinners. I'm like everybody else in the world. He says, I am the sinner. So he's recognizing his weakness. He's not lumping himself in with the rest of the people. Verse 14, Jesus commented, this tax man, not the others, went home, made right with God. If you walk around with your nose in the air, you're going to end up flat on your face. But if you're content to be simply yourself, you will become more than yourself. Okay, and then sandwiched in, scroll on down to the last 
uh, bit of this chapter in verse 35. I'm sorry, 31. Then Jesus took the 12 off to the side, and he said, Listen carefully. We're on our way up to Jerusalem. Everything is written in the prophets about the Son of Man and what's going to take place. He will be handed over to the Romans, jeered and made a sport of and spit on. Then, after giving him the third degree, they will kill him. In three days, he will rise alive. But they did not get it. They, could not make, they couldn't get it into their heads. They didn't understand what Jesus was saying. He came to, to the outskirts of Jericho. A blind man was sitting beside the road, asking for handouts. When he heard the rustle of the crowd, he asked, What's going on? And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is going by. And he yells, Jesus, son of David, mercy, have mercy on me. Those ahead of Jesus told the man to shut up. But he only yelled louder, son of David, mercy, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered him to be brought over and when he had come near, Jesus asked, what do you want? Interesting, right? What is it you want? Well, isn't it obvious, Jesus? I can't see. But the, the man had to declare what he wanted. He said, Master, I want to see. Jesus said, go ahead, see again. Your faith has saved you and healed you. How did he get healed? Was it Jesus' faith that healed him? It was the man's faith that healed him. And then he followed Jesus, glorifying him. And everyone in the, the streets, they joined in praise and shout too. So these three stories that we looked at, how much time? Okay, I'm getting there. I can do it. These three stories, we have one, we have the persistent widow. It, what's her state? Can you visualize what she looks like? I can. She was a short little Italian woman in a black dress. And when she enters in and she, she confronts the judge, what's her, what's her state? What's her demeanor? You know, if, if she wasn't hunched over from age and crippled up, you think her shoulders would be down or you think she's going to be walking up straight? Is she going to be walking fast or walking slow? Is she going to be looking the judge in the eye or is she going to be staring at his feet? And the key to it, she's got this persistent faith. She's not going to give up. She's going to badger this guy until he relents, until she changes his mind. And what's the connection? We have to approach God like he's that judge. Okay, the only difference is, is that he's a good judge. He's a heavenly father. He's a good guy. He does care about justice. He does care about people. But we have to badger him nonetheless. And sometimes we have to change his mind. That might sound really scary for some people. But we do and have the right to change God's mind. We actually do it all the time. We make decisions every day. And that might change God's mind about what he's going to do with us next. Like, it is biblical. Read your Bibles. Dig in deep. Moses changed God's mind. Abraham changed God's mind. Mary, the mother of Jesus, changed God's mind. God, 
She, she approaches Jesus. Jesus, I'm having this party. I want it to be fun. Make me some wine. And he's like, woman, step back. It's not my time. And she petitioned God. He says, look, I carried this treasure in my heart. This is what I want. And she changed God's mind and moved Jesus to action. Interesting. We can do that. We can do that if we are equipped with the right set of emotions. Now, we have gone through an incredible series of, of emotionally healthy spirituality. And today's lesson, this week's chapter that we're supposed to be studying, is on the rule of life. And that sounds really boring. And to be honest with you, the, this last chapter is a little anticlimactic because it's like, okay, you have to build a structure in your life so that you can grow. It's actually really true. But here's the thing that I think that we need to do. Okay, yes, Sabbath is important. Your, your quiet time, your devotional time, your daily office is important. Building in these rhythms of life is extremely important. But when it comes to making it, I hate to use the word rule of life, it, it, it takes on a, a new meaning. I, uh, I had to take German in college for four years, and I didn't do very well. I passed. I think I got like a C plus. But I was just going to school. I was just going to class. I was just going to church. I never immersed myself into the culture of Germany. Years later, when I became an antique dealer, I immersed myself in the culture of France and the culture of Belgium. And guess what happened? I began to pick up the, net, the language naturally. I actually, I never took a French class in my entire life, but I could speak better French than I could speak German. And I spent a lot of money on Germany, on German. And this is what the rule of life is. It's, it's the immersion into God's kingdom and into God's presence. It is the ability to just say, okay, everything in my life, I got, to, I got to center it around Jesus. Every decision that I make. You know that we're uniquely wired to make decisions? How many, okay, real quick. There are basically, we have a lot of emotions. There's, some say there's 6,000 human emotions. Uh, some say there's eight uh, primal emotions or base emotions. And I was actually looking at all the emotions that, that we carry and that we hold. And I was thinking about God and I was thinking about the Bible. I was like, wow, you know what? If you read the Bible, God's experienced every single one of these emotions at least the, the core emotions. So God, it's clear God gets angry, right? God hates sin, and he'll get angry. He's thinking about God. God is, he, obviously God is good, right? God is love. So everything that he does emanates out of goodness and love, so you really can't get around that. But yeah, he gets, he gets angry at sin. And we see that. We see God loving the people of Israel in the Bible, and then they begin to immerse themselves into a different culture that's not the kingdom of God. And eventually, they don't even notice it, but before too long, they're sacrificing their own babies, and they don't even realize what they're doing. That makes God angry. Does that make sense? And here's the thing. That's a, that's a God-given emotion for a lot of us. And some of us haven't chosen to get angry about what's going on in our lives. The enemy of God might be coming into your house and ripping off your kids. And you have the wrong emotion. You have a complacent emotion emotion. You have a passive emotion. You have a tolerant emotion. That's the wrong emotion. 
When the enemy of God is dragging your kids to hell, you need to get angry about it. You need to contend for it. You need to call him out and bind him in the name of Jesus. That's the right emotion when your kids are dying. The only emotion, the only core emotion that God never experiences is fear. That's the only one. He has the full spectrum of all the other emotions. And the interesting thing about God is that God can be angry at your sin, right? And still love you and be happy to be around you and think that you're the most awesome person in the world at the same time. I don't know how he does it, but he's God. He can do whatever he wants to do. But he can delight in you and be angry at your sin at the same time. Wow. All right, so we are, we are designed and we have to choose. God actually made us this way. How many people like to have everything planned out? How many people are control freaks? Raise your hand. You like certainty. You want to be certain that you're going to go home and you're going to have, you know, you're going to have your, your meal. You're, you're going to be certain about your health. You want certainty about your financial situation and your future. That's a, that is a human need that we all have. We all want certainty. Like, if you weren't certain that the, the ceiling was not going to fall in, uh, there's nothing I could say that would keep your attention. I mean, Jake could be doing really good, and you're going to leave the building if you thought the, the roof was going to fall down. You're going to be distracted by, by uncertainty. But here's the thing. Even though we have to have certainty to feel secure, God has designed us for uncertainty as well. What if life was so easy that... You, you knew what was going to happen, when it was going to happen. Like you could go to Las Vegas and you knew you are going to win every time. Everything was predictable. Everything was easy. Would you like that? I don't know about you, but I would be extremely bored. I believe God has built in uncertainty for us, for us to grow. Now, we all like surprises. I like good surprises, but nobody likes bad surprises, but you need them. You need them sometimes. You need it when life kind of throws you a curveball. The other need that we have is we have to feel significant. Do you feel, did you feel the difference in your spirit today? Like, man, I could actually do something with my life. Did you feel the tug and the calling of your life for significance and for meaning? Okay, that, that's God calling you. That's God saying, look, I want to call you into my presence. I got a better plan. I have significance for you. You will be set out. You'll be set apart. You don't have to continue doing life the same way. You can be different. You can be unique. And as a matter of fact, that's how I designed you. That's how I created you. You don't have to look like everybody else. So we desperately need significance. We desperately need connection. We have to be a part of something. We have to be a part of a church family. We have to be a part of a family, a marriage. We have to have that, those connections, that community, that love. It's such a need that we have. If you're not connected to somebody, you're, you're bankrupt on some level. And we will meet all these needs in one way or the other. We'll, you know, we'll find a way to meet them. But the next two areas, only God can meet these needs. The other needs, you know, you know if you need community, you can join a motorcycle gang, right? If you need, you know, if you need significance, uh, you can get some weird tattoos and some body piercings, and you can be significant. If you need, to, if you need certainty and you're a powerless person, you can turn to violence, right? 
You know, if I act violently to you, how certain am I that you're going to respond? You're going to respond, and I'm going to get that need felt. So we can meet all of these needs, but spiritual growth requires immersion. Spiritual growth requires that we, we connect to this idea of this rule of life and we immerse ourselves into the culture of the kingdom of God. Spiritual growth is very difficult and it's very painful, but if you're not growing, you're dying, right? And some of us have chosen to quit growing spiritually. You have two options. Either you're growing spiritually or you're dying or you're fading. And this is what's so key about spiritual maturity. This is why we want to encourage you to, to dig in, not just to read your Bible, not just to gain information, but to actually experience the presence of God. That's where true growth happens. And the next thing that we often mess up is, again, it is the cornerstone of who God is. God is love. You know, we talk about love all the time, but we don't really quite understand it because it is a confusing concept to get. Oh, I love my wife. I love my dog. You know, we get it messed up. We get it mixed up with eros and, and, and phileo. We get all these love things mixed up. But how do you know if you're loving well? The whole purpose of this series that we've been doing is to teach us how to love well and to grow spiritually so that you don't have to rely on me, on Pastor Josh or Pastor Steve or Jake Hamilton for your spirituality. Do you see how important that is? You shouldn't be drafting off of us. We don't want you drafting off of us. We want you to develop your own spirituality that is powerful that goes out on the streets and prays for people and, and courage and boldness. Don't want you acting like me. Don't want you playing like Jake. You don't want me singing either, by the way. It's bad. Did you see me trying to clap? I can't, I can't even keep a beat. It's really bad. It's really bad. But God has got something specifically for you. And... For us to connect to the higher power of love, how do you know if you're loving well? Well, that is expressed through kindness, through giving beyond yourself. Are you actually giving? I mean, think about your marriage. Are you giving in your marriage or are you just in a relationship? If you're not giving, you're not loving. The same is true with our spirituality and our walk. The same is true in your, in your work environment. If you're not giving, you're not loving. And we think that we love, but we really don't, especially if it's selfishness. I got one more scripture I want to share with you, and then we're going to get Jake back up here. Love is expressed by giving beyond ourselves. Colossians 3. So, chosen by God for this new life of love. We have been chosen to live a different life, a new life of love. And this is the great word picture here. Dress yourself in the wardrobe God has picked out for you. What's your wardrobe? What are you going to put on in the morning? What are you going to put on when you decide to love well? Well, here it is. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength. That's also called meekness and discipline. Be even-tempered, 
Do you think the old woman that petitioned the judge, she was persistent, but do you see her as being even-tempered? You better believe it. Content, quick to forgive an offense, forgive as completely and quickly as the master forgave you, and regardless of whatever else you put on, wear love. It is your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. We have to have this persistent faith, this dogged faith. It, it has to be the right set of emotions. And I think part of our problem is that we approach our problems, we approach life with the wrong set of emotions half the time. We spend too much time dwelling on emotions and problems that aren't good. There's good emotions out there too. And most of us don't feel those. We have to focus. We have to choose what to focus on. And the other thing, what's, what's your worldview? Is your worldview so small and myopic? Or does your worldview on how you see your life and how you see the bigger picture, does that help you make the decisions that will draw you closer into the presence of God? So I want you to actually think about your, 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 your state and think about your worldview this week. Think about, okay, am I, do I have the right set of emotions to get me through a difficult situation in my life? All right, I'm done. If I could have the ushers come to the front. Get it. Yeah. And Jake, I want you... Get yourself ready to. We're going to pray. And um, I, want to, I want to petition you to maybe even change the way that you worship today. I think that that's already been called out in you. One of the issues that, that we talked about was the issue of pain and grief and struggling. And if we choose to dull our pain, it's actually the easiest and fastest way to take care of our problems, right? We smoke, we drink, we, we eat, we, we'll do all these kinds of different, we'll avoid, we'll do all these different types of things to avoid pain in our lives. And it's great. It works. I'm going to be honest with you. It works because it numbs you. But here's the problem when you decide to numb your pain. When you numb your pain, you're going to numb your joy, too. And when you numb your joy, you can't love well and you can't worship well either. So I want to encourage you. I think this has got stirred up in you. It feels good to worship with the proper emotions, right? It does. So let the Holy Spirit say, look, I can take care of your pain. I did it a long time ago. It's done with it's over. Let's move forward. Let's grow. And let's give beyond ourselves. Father, right now, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your sweet presence in the room. God, I thank you for what was declared over people's lives. I thank you for the encouragement of the testimony. I thank you that people got a different vision for their lives, that they, saw, that they see that there's something to God, right? He's exciting. He's unpredictable. 
God, right now, I pray that you bless this offering to its fullest extent and draw us further into your presence. In your name, amen.